<laughs> You're right. It, it'd be like that sometimes, you know? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold Wait on. for it. Ah! That's, that's what we live for on this podcast. Woo! Crack cocaine. Oh, yeah. Now I'm going to put this over here. Right, so you don't smack it. So I don't smack it and waste all of it like I did that one time. But hey, man, it is Sunday after all. Football right. Sunday. Football Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday. Well, we can't say it. The Sunday of the big game because apparently you have to pay the rights to say Super Bowl on every other platform. Huh. It's the Sunday of the big game. <laughs> all right. Yeah. We're going to very carefully tiptoe around that legal issue. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, not like it matters. It is what it is. But yeah, man. Uh, you ready? Yeah. What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Second City Kids podcast, episode number 148. One, four, and an eight. Oh, yeah. We are back on a beautiful day on the south side of Chicago, Illinois, 55 degrees, the day, the Sunday of the big game. <laughs> of the big game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the aforementioned player. game. Yeah, there yep. we go. Aforementioned game. <laughs> anyway, we are back. Uh, yes, we took last week off because I think me and Gabe are at the point where it's like, well, if we don't have the content, why roll? Right? right. I but, mean, we could have came with a very skimpy yeah. agenda here, but I think we let it plow over one week. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're at the point where I, I'm at, at least personally, I'm at the point where I'd rather have 35 really good episodes a year as opposed to 44 okay episodes. You know what I mean? That's where I'm at. At least that's my mindset. And I'm not saying that if we don't have material to cover that we won't come in, but... If, you know, if the material dictates we have stuff, then we have stuff. What do you think, Gabe? Does that sound good moving forward? I mean, that's very uh, reasonable quality versus quantity. Absolutely. As they say. Absolutely. And I don't want to waste anybody's time. We are two grown adult men after all. And uh, it is not necessarily an easy thing making sure that we get together every every Sunday, you know? Yeah. So there is that. But yeah, we are back. Gabe, how's been your, your, your two weeks, man? Uh, it's been all right. I've got no complaints. I slammed a uh, bottle of chocolate milk on my way in. So, or you could say we're having a good Sunday. Absolutely, Sunday before the big of the big game. Anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna see how long I can carry that up. But yeah, uh, we are back. For me, it's okay. You know, uh, I'm actually looking at my first week coming up. This week coming up is my first week in like 56 ish weeks that I didn't have a that I don't have a training class. Nice. So I'm actually gonna have a week off where I might actually be able to maybe get caught up on paperwork and all that good stuff. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Good copy, good copy. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, this week was all right, I guess. But we have an agenda, uh, and we got to get through it. So let's go ahead and get through it. Uh, have you seen anything about this Atari hotel? Nothing at all. I was not aware that Atari even had enough money to buy a hotel. But apparently, they are planning on opening up an Atari hotel here in Chicago. Hmm. Yeah. Um, apparently, it's going to be very video game themed, obviously. And uh, I guess they have one building in San Diego, and the outside of the building looks like an old-school kind of Atari, kind of uh, 2600. I can dig it. Kind of a look. And it's going to be very video game themed. They're going to be really uh, diving into like the virtual reality kind of a setting. Kind of reminds me of uh, Ready Player One. A little uh, bit, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and uh, I saw the, the mock-up of it, and it looks, it looks good. And my wife tagged me in, and she's like, you know what? I would not be against. I'm like, sweet. Let's get some cabinets in there for some of our uh, older fans. Absolutely. And... Uh, 
we'll probably check that out as soon as we can. But yeah, that looks that was something that looked very interesting to me. And like I said, had no idea that Atari had money like that still. So good for them, right? And uh, opened up hotels, and hopefully it'll be fun. That's all we got on the notes for today. Now this thing, I want you to go ahead and get going. Sure. So, uh, so we're into movies, TVs, and books, mm-hmm. and I want to talk a little bit about. I saw a movie called The Color Out of Space. Do you know anything about this? No idea. So it is an adaptation of the. Uh, oh sweet baby Jesus, I'm already. Fu- you see how you see what it is, man. I come in prepared, and then it fucking slips. Of um, of the same Lovecraft short story. There we go. Okay. <laughs> um, and so they made one, I think, in the 90s. They made one in, like, 2010s, mm-hmm. and then they made it again. Yep. And so I went there. I went down to the music box theater in the she- in the, the-, 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 the city. We take a week off, and look what happens, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> you just lose your rhythm, right? Yep. Saw it, and I'm kind of glad that uh, my date didn't say anything, like, forewarned me, and I'm glad I didn't look anything up because Nick Cage plays the leading... <laughs> Uh, like the family man, <laughs> and he's absolutely fucking hilarious. Okay, but this movie takes a lot of cues from classic horror films like The Thing, uh, you know, Ash versus Evil Dead, things of that nature. A lot of good proper body horror. Okay. Uh, Cheech is in it, which I thought was fucking hilarious. Hmm. And this movie is like very borderline like B movie. It's one Ron Jeremy away from a B movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I think it was a very interesting adaptation. But that being said, I think like Lovecraft films and like the whole like cosmic existentialism is very hard to adapt onto the big screen yeah um i thought it was a goofy movie man and if it comes up on uh you know netflix or whatever check it out because there's a lot of like properly funny scenes and there's also a lot of properly fucked up scenes where you're like oh man so like is it all practical the the body horror uh, I want to say yes, because the effects were properly good. Okay. Like I said, I didn't actually do any research on this. I just went in and watched it, and then they had like the the uh, the the day of um, the release night yeah. interviews yeah. after the credits. Okay. So we watched those, and those are fucking hilarious. Cause there's, you, th- you think if you would have wa- like walked in with research, do you think you would even have gone? Probably not, right? I, I probably would have been like, man, why am I going to this? But <laughs> but Nick Cage simultaneously makes the movie, but also is like a detriment to his career. Because, all right, here, here's my thing. Because this is leading into like the bigger conversation, right? Okay. Nick Cage 20 years ago was a very serious Absolutely. actor. And he was a very well-respected A-lister, right? Yeah. You could say that. And so I was telling um, this woman, I was like, hey, well, you know, imagine if like Leo played the leading man. You know, I'm sure you'd still get some of the comedy shining through. But there are some seriously fucked up parts in the movie where he does some like grotesque ass shit. And the audience was just laughing. <laughs> and and I was like, this is like kind of fucked up, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. we have this kind of uh, precognition and this kind of... Um, we're categorizing Nick Cage as like this goofy guy now, you know, from yeah. like the fucking uh, not the, the bees, bees, the bees, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Wicker Man and all that shit prior. And I just think that you know his greatest strength is also his greatest detriment because those like the the parts of the movie that were meant to be funny were fucking properly funny. You know, what I mean? <laughs> they were like really fucking good. You know what I mean? But the parts of the movie that like were supposed to be more serious, where you know, and I don't want to give anything away, but like. There is some fucked up shit that this character goes through during the film. And the audience was laughing. And I was like, that is where Nick Cage as an actor lies currently. Where no matter what he does, his his kind of over-the-topness and his acting style always kind of rubber bands him back to that zone of comedy. Absolutely. That's kind of funny. Because there's definitely like, uh, yeah, you definitely, like he kind of became the face of bad acting or bad movies. And even Mel Gibson to a, like a lesser extent. Maybe not played up for comedy, but more of that kind of uh, snooty... Um, pretentious kind of action movie absolutely and where mel gibson was kind of the equivalent to that where like you said 20 years ago 25 years ago leading man fucking braveheart you know what i mean and he had all that going and now he's kind of like a parody on himself 
Uh, but I like how, like, instead of kind of going the opposite route, try to break that, Nick Cage is like, fuck it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embrace it. I'm going to roll with it, you know? There, there was a, uh, in the interviews post-credits, there was a thing where, because only the people on the stage had the mic, so somebody was asking a question, and they had, like, two mics going around, you know? And, like, at one point, all the actors were just just nodding and stuff. And it was the funniest thing ever because you couldn't even hear the guy in the audience asking the fucking question. And they're all just like, <laughs> it, was just, it was just so unintentionally funny. Okay. 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 So interesting. Like you said, that may be something I may have to check out. Um, that's kind of funny. Uh, actually, I, me and the wife watched a movie half buzzed last night and it's a movie I haven't seen in quite some time. And it's kind of, uh, I'm a fan of like end of the world, uh, well, you're right. Yeah, I got monster in my eye. Oh, okay. I don't know how the fuck it got up there, but you're about to be real energized. You fucking take a straight line to your brain. <laughs> yeah. Um, we like I'm a fan of like the like the weather disaster movies. So we saw the day after tomorrow yesterday. Oh man, that that movie is actually kind of good. I th- that's what I was gonna say. Okay, because I know that people like give the movie flack. It was sl- it was definitely a slow paced film. But what do you want from a movie based on where the weather is the villain? Like what the fuck? What the fuck do you want? Rewind the clock to, uh, I want to say, like, August, September of 2012, mm-hmm. where the movie 2012 became, yeah. like, a religion, and people yeah. were, like, freaking out. You remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah, absolutely. And I enjoy those styles of the movie. I, I watched Geostorm. I, I did a quick review on that a couple months ago, and it was just fucking horrible. But this, I mean, there's definitely, if you look back, there's actually stuff in the movie that is very relevant to what's going on today. So, as an example, like, the U.S. government basically said, flee south. You know, go south. This is like the only option that we have to survive is go south, right? And the Mexicans closed the border on, on <laughs> the, the Americans. And then me and Adrian were fu- – because we were semi-buzzed. So we were cracking up because they're like, nope. And basically the agreement was, okay, fine. <laughs> we'll let you in, but you got to forgive all debt moving forward. And they're like, fine. <laughs> just, let, <laughs> just let us in. Please, please let us in. But, yeah, so global warming obviously became, has become a much bigger deal since then as well. And uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, I would definitely check it out again if I were you. If you haven't seen it it in a while, like I said, there's definitely things you're just like, aha. Maybe some of these things did kind of come true. It's kind of scary, actually, in a weird kind of way. You know, and then we come back to that argument where it's like, well, did the movies inspire culture or Mm -hmm. did the culture inspire movies? You know what I mean? Because there's always that, like, weird argument where, because Day After Tomorrow was, what, 2010? No, that's way earlier than that. I was a kid. 2005, That's probably more, more in the ballpark, yeah. And that was 15 years ago, and you're saying that some of it is like you know super relevant. So yeah. you're, you're kind of wondering like who took cues from where. You yeah. know what I mean? Absolutely. And uh, me and Adrian even had that conversation about the art imitates life thing. It was kind of kind of scary, you know, and uh, very interesting. Very. And they had a scene with a boat because obviously <laughs> Manhattan goes underwater before it freezes, and there's like this ship that like kind of creeps through. It's almost like a ghost ship that creeps through like the, the channels in between buildings. It's like, Whoa, it's kind of creepy. Dippy, uh, that, was, that was a little scary. And yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not horrible. It's, it's actually low key kind of good. I, I liked it. I know it's kind of get, it gets you like panned and stuff like that, but I kind of enjoyed it. I don't think you can drop like a, uh, what's the, like a environmental movie. Whether that be like, you know, disaster thriller, mm-hmm. like day after tomorrow or 2012, or even just like a fucking nature documentary without getting some sort of clap back from. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, people thinking that it's like a fucking, you know, myth. People are out of their mind. Not going to get into that, but uh, we are not a political podcast. This is not what we do. <laughs> we need to say that before we start rolling every time. Yeah, right. Uh, but I think it's kind of fun. And like I said, still some stuff still very relevant to what's going on today. So definitely check that out. Good copy. Talking about Ryan Johnson. So uh, <laughs> basically, uh, Ryan Johnson has... Um, the put- new king of the... Uh, 
Star Warsites. Yeah, he uh, he put his name out there. He says, you know, you know what? I want to direct an episode of The Mandalorian next season. Because obviously, there's another season that's going to be coming out. I hope so, because they definitely left us out on a gigantic cliffhanger. And, and we have to know what the fuck's going on with that. I verbally screamed out loud at the ending of that fucking, uh, that fucking season. Um, but yeah, Ryan Johnson wants to do something. And everybody's like, no. You got to hear it's like all of a sudden what was what's the what does Obi Wan say all of a sudden all voices screamed and then they were silenced. It, it was like that. That's what I feel like. Um, yeah. So Ryan Johnson wants to do the Mandalorian. I think Ryan Johnson is a good director. We've talked about this. Yeah. It, the issue wasn't that he's a bad director. The issue is that he's a bad Star Wars director, mm-hmm. and his vision didn't align with ours. Anyway, check out that episode. Yeah. Um, but, no, I totally agree with you, man. And this is kind of like an episodic thing, mm-hmm. and it's not one of the big nine. Mm-hmm. So I think people would be more forgiving. Absolutely. That because how much can you possibly fuck up in 40 minutes? Yeah. You know what I mean? You could fuck up a lot, right? <laughs> well, my, my, my thought process is, is that as long as Favreau is still controlling the story, we're good. Because Ryan Johnson, the, the filming, the actual filming, the way things were shot in Star Wars was pretty in um, what's it called yeah, last year? It was pretty good, you know. My, my thought process is that I'm sure Favreau has the skeleton for the entire second season, you know well, what I mean, or is writing it currently, right? Yeah, but he does. And if he tosses um, Johnson a rib and he's like, do whatever the fuck you want with this rib, cook it however you want, but it still has to fit back into place in regards to the skeleton, yeah, you know, that's all that matters. Yeah, I guess. So I guess we we'll have yeah, to wait. We're getting into food analogies before we even hit the music. <laughs> that's good though. But yeah, so we'll see what what that looks like moving forward. I think I think it'll be okay. Moving along, we have the Batman. Started filming. It's starting to film principal photography. Uh, let's do a quick wrap up on the who we got no who we know is casted and what they're doing. Robert Pattinson as obviously Bruce Wayne Batman. Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle slash Catwoman. Paul Dano as um, Edward Nashton. What the fuck is that? The Riddler. Uh, Jeffrey White Wright as Gordon. Uh, who else He's we got? Andy Circus as Alfred Pennyworth. That's fucking fantastic. And Colin Farrell. As Oswald Cobblepot, the nice. Penguin. I yeah. love Colin Farrell. Yeah, so they got a little bit of a uh, little some a lot of villains in there. So um, that's good, I guess. Um, there's no rule that has to be one per movie, right? So um, I guess we'll see what they do. Maybe it's just a setup for other movies moving forward. But yes, principal photography has started for the Batman. Uh, Matt Reeves, I believe, is the director. He posted it on his Instagram of the, the what's the thing called the clacky thing yeah the clacky thing that helps you keep time (laughs) that thing and uh we're starting and i guess we'll see what it looks like moving forward i'm you excited yeah yeah a little excited i'm looking forward to it a little bit um i've come to that point where you know we always break down and kind of shit on movies that kind of don't live up to our expectation but i'm kind of at that point where more content is more content sure and i know we just made the argument of quality over quantity Mm -hmm. but i'm kind of excited i like pattinson yeah, so I guess we'll have to wait and see. He's not a he's not a bad actor. I think the Twilight thing is kind of an albatross around his neck, and I think no matter what he does, he could be. It's the same thing as the Radcliffe argument. You know, yeah. he's forever going to be Harry Potter. Yeah, but nobody's hard to get away from that. Nobody hated Harry Potter. <laughs> no, because those films were not bad and egregious. You know yeah. what I mean? The writing was good at the end of the day, but uh, you know, um, but yeah, I think this kid kind of gets that. Um, oh man, imagine an alternate universe where Robert Pattinson was Harry Potter. Probably, yeah. probably be okay. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be horrible. No, but yeah. just you know, somewhere there's like an alternate timeline. I mean, he was in Harry Potter, that one. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot about Cedric. Yeah, he was, he was for, totally Cedric for a for, hot fucking minute. I mean, so it is what it is. <laughs> and then Daniel Radcliffe could have been Cedric Diggory. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, um, 
This is so, a dark train of thought that we've traveled down. But I'm excited. Pattinson won me over with the lighthouse. I think he's a good actor, and like I said, I, I think the shortcomings of the movie aren't going to be his fault. I think mm-hmm. he's going to put his best foot forward, especially for a big role like Batman. Absolutely. So definitely cool. Well, obviously, me and Gabe will keep very close eyes on this moving forward, especially me being such a big Batman fan. We'll see what happens. Next up, Fantasy Island. You have no, Do you know anything about Mm-mm. this? Nope. Oh, you're going to love it. It's the new Bloomhouse production. <gasps> yeah. I already love it. Yeah, so basically, you know, they go to this Fantasy Island and they get what they want. They get they live out their fantasies. However, it's, it looks like these fantasies are starting to turn on them a little bit, and that's basically the premise of it. Oh, I, I dig it. Uh, part of the reason I like Brave New World so much is because it kind of played into that whole, oh, well, we're living our best lives thing, mm-hmm. but that's kind of also what's ruining them. Correct. I dig it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I tagged my wife in and she's like, yes, because she's anything Blumhouse. She's like, I'm all fucking over it because they are the the best name in horror, good or bad or indifferent based on them, them. them in A24. Yeah. Yeah. That this is this is horror, you know, so uh, I love it and hopefully it'll be good. It has basically the same actors from the fucking truth or dare thing. We're not going to get into that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, this looks good. Good so, copy. We're going to keep a close eye on that. Hopefully another great movie are coming up. Absolutely. Uh, this one? Okay, so uh, The Witcher is doing so well that Netflix decided they're going to drop The Witcher animated series. But wait, all right, I know what you're thinking. Why? Isn't that redundant? <laughs> I guess. I there's And my big argument for having something animated is that there's only so much you do with practical effects and CGI and stuff like that, uh-huh. whereas some things just lend themselves very nicely to animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the part that's going to draw you, and you ready? The team behind The Witcher animated series is the same team that did The Legend of Korra. Oh yeah, so it's not we're, we're not cheaping out here, buddy. Okay, we got some experienced people on on roll for this. All right, you got me, Gabe. I told you, I'm, I'm sold on that one. I like Legend of Korra a lot, actually. I, I liked it way more than I probably should have, but yeah, that's good. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting, and now we kind of see this, you know, because it was always Stranger Things was the was the baby girl, right? And mm-hmm. now we see the Witcher kind of coming up and everybody's excited. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to get essentially a Witcher spinoff. Yeah, we got that going. Don't forget we have the He-Man thing that Kevin Smith is mm-hmm. spearheading. We got that coming out uh, soon some enough. Some more Castlevania, which I thought was properly good too. I'm the still, animation on that was phenomenal. Still trying to get to that. I mean, Netflix is, is, is you know, they're The around. king of original series at the moment. Yeah. Probably. Well, until Disney drops another yeah. Marvel or Star Wars thing, right? Correct. Yeah. I mean, I really liked Hulu, but that was uh, like uh, looking for Alaska. Have you finished, Have you gone to that yet? Not yet. Oh, my goodness. It's so good. But um, that was pretty good. But yeah, man, I like this. Like you said, more content is good. You know what's funny? I think these the streaming platforms, you, you can have the same argument that we had about these gaming platforms. Mm-hmm. About how everything's crossplay, this or that, blah blah blah. But at the end of the day, it's going to be the like the exclusives that draw you in. Yeah, yeah. We've Wild, def- huh? We've definitely made parallels between the stream. How it's not a gaming war anymore; it's a streaming war where everybody's got their own thing to bring to the table. Well, now we could just say streaming war. Period. Yeah, you it's, know, it's kind of wild. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. That's good. Um, there's also a um a Mortal Kombat animated uh yeah movie. Uh, there's uh, something out in the works at the moment. And I think it's out. Is it out? Yeah, I think it's out on DVD or something like that. I have to look deeper into it. It's Mortal Kombat, Scorpion's Fury. I think the clips I have seen of it look really fucking sick. So I'm going to have to look deeper into that. But Mortal um, Kombat should just kind of play into the animated side. For sure. You know, like, definitely. I dig the whole, um, uh, what was it called? The, the dark realism stuff that was coming around right before MKX. Mm-hmm. Um, the web series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was properly good, man. But like I said... 
a Mortal Kombat is forever a franchise that crazy shit's happening left mm-hmm. and right. You got to lean into what medium is best for your franchise. Absolutely. And they are doing that movie. I guess that they are working on that now with James Wan at the helm, which should be good. James Wan is a good director. So absolutely. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what that looks like moving forward. But before we continue on, uh, actually, we forgot to kind of talk about something that's kind of big that happened on Sunday when we did not roll the podcast so kobe bryant passed away yes with yes, his daughter and seven other individuals most some of which were children 13 years old and uh you know like you know how me and gabe are we don't like to talk about much serious stuff on the podcast and i'm not even pretending like i'm the largest kobe bryant fan ever but at the end of the day this was a guy who was trying to outlive his legacy or trying to become bigger than just a basketball player and even though he may not have fully seen his vision in the end he is bigger than the game, right? And uh, may he rest in peace, man. It's a fucking horrible story. That blue, that fucking shot out of me. the blue, absolutely. Yeah. And you're totally right. I couldn't have summed it up better. Um, you know, he was more than just the guy in basketball. Mm-hmm. It was a lot more than that. He kind of became larger than life. Honestly, he won an Oscar last year for that uh, animated short that he had based on his life and stuff. Yeah. And so now, every time you uh, shoot a piece of paper into a trash can. We're still going to yell Kobe, but it's going to be a very different connotation to Absolutely. it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Kind of scary, kind of sca- sad. Life is fleeting. And uh, those I feel so sorry for those little girls and stuff like that. It's horrible. Absolutely. Horrible, May you horrible. rest in peace and Abs- everybody that came down on the helicopter. Absolutely horrible, horrible, horrible. Moving along. Let's talk gaming. All right. So Dying Light 2 has been delayed. Yep. Um, indefinitely? No, not indefinitely. I, we don't know exactly how long, but I think it was slated for... April, I want to say, originally? Some, July, I, th- I was thinking. But point being, it's got pushed back, and we don't have a date yet, from what I'm Which hearing. Which sucks, man, because Dying Light was such a good zombie game. You know I've heard, know? yeah. It, it, I, okay, so the zombie... Uh, you know, I did a whole fucking episode on this on Exploration. Mm-hmm. Zombies, as a gaming experience, is hard to capture, man. Yeah. Like, when you think great zombie games, there's two immediately that come to mind. You know, your favorite Call of Duty zombie line, and then Le- Left for Dead. Or and then yep, Yep. Resident Evil, and then The Last of Us, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you want to count those to mm-hmm. an extent. That's like four. We could probably find like three more that are truly great. But there's like 300 of them total. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, so, so the great ones are few and far in between. Yeah. Um, I think maybe we should hop on it this time, man. We, we, we've been uh, itching to, to pick something new up. Yep. And I, I think we're both kind of in the headspace where... Well, let's fuck it. Let's plow through it. Absolutely. So, uh, that, yeah, that is a bummer and just added to the list of delays that we've had going on recently with games getting pushed back. All for the better, you know, but um, damn, it sucks. It's, it was looking like a hot and heavy year, year at the beginning of the year. Now, suddenly all the big players are starting to slide back. A it's little like bit. with the albums, man. Everything comes out like when September 1st rolls around and we get through like Labor Day weekend. It's yep. just release after release after release. Absolutely. But yeah, so Dying Light or Dying Light, I'm sorry, delayed. And uh, we'll get you more when we know. Next up, Spider-Man 2 is in the works. So Spider-Man was the, you know, was the Insomniac games. Uh, they did uh, Clash, Ratchet and Clank and stuff like that. Obviously, uh, the last Spider-Man game did extremely well. Mm-hmm. Uh, people looked at it as kind of like the highlight of the console. And um, one of the highlights, at least. And they're already working on number two. Good copy. I think that, dame, that game did, uh, I mean, well, right? But I think it showed that... Um, the Spider-Man gaming experience isn't dead mm-hmm. because it's always been a part of our lives. You know, mm-hmm. there's always kind of been a Spider-Man game that's up and coming or mm-hmm. that's coming out, blah, blah, blah. And I think that revitalized the urge to push out more Spider-Man games. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, if they have a good story to tell, this is kind of like the Arkham Asylum of, you know, Spider-Man games. That's a bold fucking claim, but yeah. sure. 
I mean, I, th- I think it's fair. I think a lot of people looked at it that kind of way. Um, not even just gameplay similarities, but just Man. maybe we maybe it's time we sit down and replay the Arkham games, especially the first two. You know, do you know what's coming out next month? Uh, or I guess coming a couple couple of days for the PlayStation Store for the fucking um free game. What the Bioshock collection? Yeah, I I'm saw gonna, that. I'm have to That's coming to Switch too. I'm yeah. gonna cop it for, yeah. for the Switch. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do a Bioshock. I'm super excited for that. Yeah, man. we we should do that. Super excited because we haven't really done like an overarching view for like a gaming franchise. So we can we can kind of do that when we get through Bioshock. Oh no! Have you played Bioshock? I've had, I've played portions of the first one. Never never touched two or infinite. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> We're okay. gonna have a fucking heyday with this. Okay, good, good, good. But yeah, so Spider Man working out, and obviously we just kind of made plans to do a Bioshock thing when we get when we can get through that and complete it. So look forward to that. That should be fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This one's you. Okay, so uh, do you know what a data miner is? They're uh, like people no. that sniff around for changes oh, yeah, yeah, in yeah. data and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so somebody sniffed around and found a. ESRB rating on, or well, I should say a Peggy rating because they found it was overseas. Peggy eighteen. Go yeah. Ahead. So uh, our, our friends over in the UK, right? So they found a Peggy rating for Mortal Kombat Online, and uh, okay, so this is gonna be MK one, two, and then I'm guessing three Ultimate uh, are gonna come out on the Switch, PlayStation, Xbox, and all that good stuff, and it's probably gonna come in a nice little collection. Blah blah blah. Um, what are your thoughts? Because I, I got I got some kind of Big brain stuff ready for you. Well, I I know they've done this before. They done that in the they did it last generation with the Mortal Kombat collection. They did have one, two, and uh, uh, UMK on there as well. I mean, I'm cool with it. I got no problems with it. My uh, dude, you know there was a UMK three port for the Nintendo DS, and then it got like banned off shelves for whatever reason. Really, Nintendo was like, rub, rub, rub. really? Um, yeah. Well, because I actually saw that in store. Fun fact, and it disappeared one day. Hmm. Anyway, uh, here, here's my like thought process, right? Because Warner Bros. now owns NetherRealm Studio, blah blah blah. Ed Boon, uh, you know the, the regular kind of MK talk. Why is this just not the default thing for new generation consoles? Like you'd imagine that when the PlayStation Five comes out, you should just be able to get that from day one for. Hmm. The 10, 15, 20 bucks, whatever it is that they decide a proper price point is, right? Mm-hmm. I just think that that's the easiest fucking moneymaker you could do because if you're into fighting games, you've you've at least played one of those, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean? If you've been in the scene for you or I like 20 plus years or even like 10 plus years, you've probably touched, I would say three is probably the, the classic MK most people dabble mm-hmm. with, right? Sure. Throw it out there for ten bucks, man. Mm-hmm. That's it's literally passive income. They don't have to do anything. They, yeah, they just fucking bundle it and send it out. Because <laughs> we're at this point where we're not at the end of the Switch life cycle. We're nowhere near it. But there are rumors of a Switch Pro coming out sometime soon, right? Which is you know yeah. I I have thoughts about that too, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But the PlayStation Four and the Xbox One. We're towards that tail end. Mm-hmm. We're we're not dropping all the support, but I'd imagine in the next two years we're gonna get like the last good mm-hmm. xbox game and then you're gonna have the dudes trying to port everything over for a couple years and then we're done yeah right i mean that's just usually how it goes correct but it's like why is this not available day one like you could run this on a fucking toaster in 1998 <laughs> you know well, i don't know about that but, <laughs> but we have a fucking playstation 4 yeah for sure uh yeah i mean i don't i don't know i don't know what the plan with that moving us forward but i'm with it um i just I'm sick uh, because everybody talks about the arcade classics, right? And they put Mortal Kombat 1, 2, and UMK3 in, in a bundle, right? But nobody loves 4. What the? Why is 4 not get put in a bundle? It it's was the in, first of the 3Ds, man. But it was in arcades. It was still an arcade game. <laughs> so was so was X, technically. 
Um, well, not not a, it wasn't an official arcade like that was built a custom cabinet. Yeah, that was a custom cabinet. I'm talking about it was actually put in arcades. Quanchi's goofy face. Yeah, I remember that was on the side of the fucking. Um, you know, that's a really good question. I'm a I I'd imagine that that'd be a massive pain in the ass to do because you're going from 2D to 3D. Mm-hmm. But there's only so much I can assume. You know, I've never like ported a game over like that. But that right. is, that is a good thing. Like you know, if you're doing one, two, three, which are pretty much the same fucking thing at the end of the day, yeah. why not just do four on top of it? It's really not that hard, and it's not like. The, like the hardware was that different you know here's an idea um you you package i'd even say toss out like one and two man i'd just say go three ultimate go four go shaolin monks and then take your pick from nine and one of the other 3d arrow ones man and then just charge 60 bucks for that and people will buy it and like a like a just like a re like, like a, a bundle okay well because if you look on steam activision has an Activision bundle. It's three hundred some dollars, but you get every Activision game out there. You really? get the Call of Duties. Well, it's probably more than three hundred at this point. It's probably like eight hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. But you get all the Call of Duties. You get this and that. But you know what I mean? Like, why doesn't NRS just go? Yeah, uh, you get nine. You get three Ultimate. You get four. Mm, I'm gonna say maybe Deception or Deadly Alliance. One of those two. Uh, Sixty bucks. You get four or five games. Deadly Alliance. I like Deadly Alliance better than Deception. Yeah, it was. Properly good, right? Yeah, I thought But I thought you, so. you get a little bit of everything, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, MKX, dude, I was in rooms the other day. It's still fucking going strong. Yeah, absolutely. There's 18 billion uh, environmental interactions on MKX. Yeah. Get the fuck like, out of here, really. 18 billion, because they have the little stats in the corner. When yeah. You're in, like, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, holy shit, 18 billion. This game's been out a little less than five years at this point. Yeah. That was a good fucking game too, man. How many started? I still like it better than Eleven, man. Well, I I just I, I played the Joker a little bit today. He's, He's fun. fun. He's fucking fun. He's a lot of fun. Probably yeah. the most unique character since, uh, man. I'd say Devora, honestly, because Devora Devora's playstyle really kind of yeah. I'd agree with that. Really I think kind of fucked you up. You know what I mean? That's pretty fair. Yeah. He's uh. I think I like. I think it was a, a good fit because you were allowed to let him kind of go bonkers. You know what I mean? Like the way that yeah, we, it wasn't the DC uh, versus MK crossover yeah. bullshit. Correct. Yeah, he he went a little bit nuts with that. But yeah, he, he's kind of fun. But yeah, that's interesting. I mean, we'll see what what happens with that moving forward. I mean, I got the fucking arcade cabinet right there. If I want to play one, oh, no, two, absolutely, that's yeah. a whole different. Yeah, th- that's like a CD versus a record. You know what I mean? We can yeah. argue all day about which is better, but at the end of the day, it's whatever you prefer. Absolutely, you have the record here. Yeah, but I'm saying CDs are easy. You know, what yeah, I, mean? I could sure. give you my CD, and you could plug it into anywhere the fuck you want. This is true. So, Definitely. Good stuff. Uh, let's talk music, news, and reviews. So I went to go see The Used last night. Yeah, how was that? Um, man, what do you want me to tell you? These guys are veterans. They've been doing. They've been going at this for 20 years. A mm-hmm. um, couple of things. When the set started, The Used fucked so hard that they blew a breaker at the bottom lounge, fun fact, on the opening song. And so Bert was just up there talking for like a couple minutes. Get out of no, here. No, dead fucking serious. I've the never lights, seen that. Lights went out. All the music, all the instruments went out. The only thing that was up was the house lights and his microphone. Get out of so here. So for like 10 minutes, he was just telling stories and stuff. That's fucking sick, man. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? What else? Um, oh, dinner know, with get- Bert. You had, din- you had a dinner with Bert. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, some woman up front on the barricade got her glasses knocked off and she got super upset so Bert was giving her shit okay like oh you know you know this is what you get blah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. and he was doing the whole like safe zone blah 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 that stuff <laughs> and I was like I was like oh man we're gonna we're gonna get political at this show huh but next song he calls her upstage and they fucking jam out and I was That's like funny. he's the perfect blend of like sweet to asshole you absolutely know? yeah it's yeah. like a mango habanero mix there with Bert <laughs> I almost said Bert Reynolds Bert McCracken <laughs> I mean, maybe with Burt Reynolds. You don't know. Um, you never met Burt Reynolds, have you? <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. 
A um, couple of other. They played all the bangers. Taste of Ink. Uh, well, actually, no, they didn't play all the bangers because I was waiting for Blood on My Hands, but they didn't play that, mm-hmm. which I'm kind of upset about. But yeah, Taste of Ink, uh, Bird and the Worm, Blow Me, all the, you know. How did it sound in a little venue? Oh, man. Tasty? There's, I've never been to a bad show at the Bottom Lounge, my friend, and I'm loving that they're doing small tours. I guess the big announcement here, aside from, you know, the used is still, you know, they may be approaching 40, but they're still playing like they're 18, 19, right? Yeah. There's nothing interesting about that. That's what's to be expected from a band that's been relevant, right? Yes, sir. I think the big piece of news here is that Bert pretty much said we're touring with MCR. Yeah, that that when you brought that up, I thought that was kind of interesting because uh, they used to be really good friends, My Chemical Romance and the Used, and I guess there was a gigantic falling out uh, a couple years ago, um, ten years ago at this point. And when you said that, I'm like, whoa, maybe I thought he would maybe be kidding or something like that. I but- mean, well, okay, l- let me let me get this straight. I he, he did not at one point say we're touring with MCR. He said, yeah, I got a call from a friend and about a reunion. And he's like, hey, do you guys want to open for us on our big North America tour? It's, it's got to be MCR. You know uh, I, mean? I don't know, Gabe. It, it, it's got to be. I mean, what other big band got back together recently? Rage Against the Machine? Uh, oh, actually, that wouldn't that, be a bad fit either. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be a bad fit. But the thing, the, the thing that's throwing me is the friend thing. Because like I said, I, heard I hear they don't get along anymore. They're not friends anymore. Right. I mean, granted, that was 10 years ago. Yeah. And granted, MCR hasn't no, he been still, together. He still flips them off in that fucking... Um, Take it away. He still does that, you know. When they told he was doing that all night, man. I don't know what. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I mean, I guess we'll have to wait and see. That's what he announced. They're dropping an album in April, which I don't know if it has or hasn't been confirmed online. By I don't follow Alan Harrington. He probably knows. Yeah, but um. Yeah, that, that that was pretty much it, man. They put on a good live show. Uh, they played their 15 songs. And how was the opening bands? I didn't see the opening band. Uh, we, we showed up kind of late, and you know how parking is down there. True. So yeah, we were kind of swerving around left and right, and we showed up, and the U's were setting up, and I was like, cool. Oh, this is fine. Works. Yeah, it works for sure. Excellent. Yeah, man. The Bottom Lounge got a they got a, a show coming up in a, in a couple of weeks, you know, a couple, well, I guess months at this point. Uh, which one? The Code Orange show? Yeah. So did we, did we talk about that? We didn't even talk about that at all. Fucking Code Orange is going on tour with Jesus Peace, Machine Girl, and there's somebody else that I'm. That I'm missing at the moment. I think it's so cool seeing who's friends with who, and I'm, you know, I'm not about that like uh, the Twitterverse and uh, they have beef with each. Because I like genuinely enjoy seeing that like the Code Orange guys and like the Jesus Peace guys are like super tight homies. Yeah, like same way that like Knocked Loose and like Every Time I Die are. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I think that's good shit. Yeah, uh, they're going on tour. I texted my wife. I'm like, can we go? <laughs> I really because they're they're Code Orange is probably on top of my list right now. Um, maybe the next up next is probably like North Lane or something like that. For but, big releases or just shows? No, just wanting to see them. They're on, they're on my bucket list, so I wanted to see them like really bad, and because um, I've never seen them before. So, yeah, man, that's that's something I'm gonna be into. I, I got my ticket already. I'm ready to go. Um, the wife said you can go. I'm like, all right, because she she's abandoning me. <laughs> Good copy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if the, if the beamer doesn't need too much attention, I'll happily go with you, sir. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so that's coming up. I'm bringing my mouth guard and my football pads. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she's like cargo she, shorts, football pads. <laughs> <laughs> she just she said, I don't care what happens. She's like, you decided you wanted to go. If you get hit in the mouth, that's on you. I'm you like, know our dental insurance. Plan accordingly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So that's go- coming up. I'm going to see Devil's Prada coming up in a couple of. Uh, what are they playing? They're playing with. Um, we came as Romans. They're doing that. We came. Oh as yeah, Romans. I totally forgot about that. Tour. Yeah. Uh, with Dayseeker, 
Um, so that's, well, I thought I thought you know you said Devil Wears Prada. I was like, oh, they're headlining, but I, no, I totally forgot about the week came as Roman's ten year anniversary. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. That that happening every time I die is playing a, a Goose Island sponsored event, which is like my two favorite things. <laughs> I, I got know. tickets. Did you? You know what's funny? I um I bought the tickets and I was like. This is probably the only band where I'm never like, oh, let me like sleep on it or give me a couple days. It's just click. Yeah, right. <laughs> click, click, click. Just that was... take the money out of my account. And this is something that I talked about like years ago. I'm okay, like... so it is at the Metro. Yeah. But if we can get them yeah, <laughs> or, you know, Mike and the guys yeah. at the distillery, yeah. at the acoustic room. Oh, shit. Yeah, that would, that would bang pretty hard. Uh, but I think it opens up the door. I think if this does well and... I mean, every time I die, has never had an issue with like unprofessionalism or anything like that. Well, if, maybe with Disney. Well, if you know, I mean, Disney got beef with anybody who says fuck in their songs. But um, you know, I think if they represent themselves well, maybe that's something Goose Island's playing. Huh. Well, even the fact maybe that Goose Harker- Island is sponsoring this show, yeah. already shows that there's somebody at Goose Island that goes, "Hey, you guys fuck with every time I die because I do." <laughs> maybe for sure. And then maybe they're like, maybe these hardcore guys aren't assholes. Maybe we should do something. So, yeah, I'm going to be drinking 312 Green Line all night. And I'm going to be fucking throwing fists. You rat bastard. You know what's funny? I got I got Greg on this, like, weird hook now. You know, I, like I, it's like when you catch a fish and, like, you pull it and it's, like, through its lips. I'm like, hey, you want to go see every time? Yep. Cool. Tickets bought. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. Like, yeah, man. You're going to hold my flannel now. You, you, you <laughs> <laughs> you've uh, corrupted that poor young man. All right, moving along. So, some more bad news. Ozzy Osbourne yeah. confirmed with Parkinson's disease. Um, y- you know what, man? He's very old, and he looks like a like a leather, like an old Louis Vuitton bag, honestly, at this point. Him yeah. and Steven Tyler. And <laughs> yeah, right? no he, it's shit. no secret. The man liked drugs. Yeah. He liked getting fucked up in his youth. And we're kind of surprised he lived this long. Yeah. Uh, it's a very sad diagnosis to see the Prince of Darkness now be, you know, fucking shaken and everything. But... Um, you know, you th- things come with having that title. Yep. And you earned it by every single means, but maybe it's time we slow things down a bit. Correct. Now, I agree with you. Yes, it's very sad, and you don't wish that upon anybody, but the man lived his life in the fast lane, and I think at, up, man. at minimum, we should be happy he's still alive. You know what I mean? It, we should be glad it's just Parkinson's, yeah, it, honestly. It could because, be something a whole lot worse. I mean, at mean? the end of the day, you know, thousands, if not millions of people are diagnosed with it in a year, and those people may or may not live fulfilling lives. Mm-hmm. At least, you know, Ozzy affected millions of people out there. You Absolutely. know what I mean? Every Absolutely. single metal band you see, every single, like, even indie rock band, anything along those lines, they have a favorite Ozzy song. Correct. I do, you do, and mm-hmm. that's just what it is, man. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. you got to respect that people die. Absolutely. So it is what it is. Uh, maybe you'll slow down a little bit. <laughs> Good stuff. More bad news. Uh, Trav. Trav has, is leaving or has left officially Varials. And I cry every time. Um, every time I cry. I, you know what, man? <laughs> I, I respect it because I always say that like mental illness is such a big prevalent issue. And I feel like maybe even sometimes we brush it aside. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like sometimes we'll joke about it. But, but, but it is a big thing. You yep. know what I mean? Um, and he left for, you know, his own sanity, whatever it was at the end of the day, whatever made him leave. And I can respect that. Um, and yeah, now everybody wants to be the new fucking varials. <laughs> yeah. That, that was the, the kind of the top emailing us. The, yeah. They're like, yo, stop hitting us up. We got a vocalist. He's a nice guy. We're hitting the road. Like, well, no, basically they said, well, all things are a go. They're going to be going through all their tours coming up. They got one with uh spite coming up and that they're 
there are no changes to the plans that they're going to be. What with. what is with this? Um, I don't know because I would say that they're 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 kind of at their peak relevancy right now, especially with In Darkness that mm-hmm. dropped last year, which was whoa you yeah. know what i mean yep oh i mean major league yeah ma- that's some big boy shit right yep. there you know what i mean major league but uh you know what an interesting time but i guess your <laughs> your mental issues don't have a you know they don't work around the timeline i guess did, did you see i mean because you say you don't really fuck around on twitter like that but did you see the dude covering the song he's like okay let me do it he put peanut butter in his mouth and he started screaming <laughs> fucking up it was so fucking funny ah yeah, that had me dying the other day that's but, wild yeah so it's sad. I liked him a lot. I think he's a really talented individual. He's still doing heavy stuff, though, according to him. Is he? Because he, uh, I follow him on Twitter. He's fucking hilarious. Him and Brendan Murphy have like the, the best friendship. That's yeah. another good one. Yeah. But he's like, I want to make music like this. And he posted some Deftone stuff. And I was like, I can get behind yeah, this. Yeah, with him? I can get behind this. Yeah, with his style of vocal, I think that'd be really interesting. Because he kind of has that kind of... Uh, he wants to sing, man. Yeah, he, I think he does. Um, there ain't nothing wrong with that. Um because they do got fucking vicious screams, we've heard that. Um, but maybe he's got something else to offer. We'll see. Nothing wrong with that. Um, we're gonna we're gonna transplant some frontmen, and we're gonna put Trav at the face of um, Sworn In. Okay. And we're just gonna transplant this Pennsylvania man into Gray's Lake, Illinois, <laughs> and we're gonna take whoever the frontman is for Sworn In, and we're gonna put mm-hmm. them in varials. Watch it is the fucking vocalist, current vocalist are sworn in covering for Varios right now. That'd be kind of funny. <laughs> you tell me I gotta drive ten hours for practice <laughs> once a week. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. So yeah, that's sad, but it is what it is. It's like the draft picks now that I think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Let me get Brendan Murphy. Oh fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, so we got no. Uh, actually, let me just verify that because I I do try and keep up with these singles. There was actually one that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. You want to bring yours up first? Yeah. Uh, we actually had um, Emily Affliction drop a new song, Catonia, Canatonia, whatever the hell Yeah, interesting. Um, I, I think people are severely underestimating how heavy this Amity album is going to be. Yep. Because I think they've almost sort of conditioned us to the last two albums. Yeah. And well, even the last three, because Let the Oceans Take Me was on the softer side of Amity. Poppier, definitely poppier. And, you know, nothing bad with that. We both love that album. Mm-hmm. But I, I think they're going to come out, you know, with in their jock straps and they're going to start, you know, helicoptering. Just, just their jock straps? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, man. It was definitely, yeah. The, all the songs so far have been really good. And um, might be one of those dark horse candidates, maybe. Uh, maybe crack a, a list or two near the end of the year. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's a good song overall. Uh, but yeah, I haven't really been keeping track of singles this year. It's been a long week. Uh, good copy. Plus, good we copy. had some in-depth things to talk about you know they're playing in like belvedere illinois which i looked up because i was like oh, where where the fuck is this because i know like pretty much everything with like an hour and some change mm-hmm. within this area I'm like where the fuck is belvedere they're playing in the middle of nowhere is that the apollo theater or whatever it's called i have no idea what the venue is i just know there's a big ass walmart there they might be playing in the walmart <laughs> <laughs> no because my wife my uh my wife my sister saw um ice nine kills there not too Ooh, long ago interesting so uh yeah uh, yeah i've seen a lot of that kind, kind of strange that i don't know does, does it work better that way for when you're driving maybe maybe could, i mean chicago's an hour and some change maybe north. it's closer proximity to like st louis or something like that yeah that's probably it honestly you know I mean? yeah so uh that's interesting moving forward but yeah we got these two things and i want you to get started with that okay so silent planet uh redropped an album called the night god slept redux okay so i want to start this off by saying August Burns Red did it. Silverstein did it. We're going to see a lot of uh, veteran players in the scene start doing it. This is going to be the new popular thing to do. Take your album that blew you up, the album that people love and know you for, and then you know put new 
vocal techniques, put better production, put this, put that. You know, I'm not surprised if a data member is going to want to redrop Homesick or something Ooh, along those lines. I don't lines. know about that one. <laughs> or, you know, what separates me from you yeah, uh, yeah, and their name was Treason, whatever the fuck they want to do. They, yeah. they have a great discography for it, right? Mm-hmm. And Silent Planet said, yeah, let's take a shot at it. Yeah, sure. Now, let me start off by saying that Silent Planet is the current king of re-releases and reduxes because the Night God Slept Redux versus the original, it is night and day and it is so fucking scary mm-hmm. of how big of a leap, like one small leap for, you know, Garrett Russell, one giant leap for Silent Planet in the metalcore community. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you listen to these two back to back? No, I did not. Uh, I because I it's been a while since I listened to uh, the original release, so I gave it in with clean ears, and I could def I know the songs fairly well. I mean, I'm they're not the wasteland, the well, deaths, yeah. all that good stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's definitely that's definitely different. It's not exactly the same. Um, it's not just cleaner instrumentation. There's there's differences. They've chosen to maybe arrange the songs slightly different, maybe push this forward and push this back versus to what they had b- available to them before. Um, and yeah, man, I, I, it was good stuff. I mean, the album itself, the first time around was pretty fucking fantastic. And uh, the changes are good. And I think it makes it, it deems it relevant. It deems it um, not a waste of time. You know, because I think if you, if you just slap a new co- coat of paint on it, yeah, you just you just give the album art a, a different uh yeah it's, if it's then it's just basically if it's the same thing which is kind of just updated production then you know it's kind of a waste of time but if you you know gonna kind of take a different approach to these albums you know if you're gonna try to uh oh my god emphasize different things i think that's kind of unique um because even with august burns red it was just kind of slicker productions everything sounded better but it wasn't exactly a different look here's my at thing. the song at the and same song I, you know i hate bringing this up because i feel like every time we mention abr this argument comes up they're flying so fucking high right now that if that jet drops 100 feet, you're not going to notice. Or mm-hmm. if it goes up another 100 feet, you're not going to notice. Mm-hmm. Whereas Silent Planet is like the two-man propeller plane. This is like, a, <laughs> uh, what, what were the two guys' names that made the plane? The, yeah. right, the right Brothers. The right Brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the difference between them flying 20 feet over your house and them flying 150 feet in, above your house. Mm-hmm. And I think because they've only been together... I want to say like under 10 years, Silent Planet. Uh, 2012, I want to say. Sounds about right. Um, And uh, The Night God Slept came out 2013, 14-ish. Sounds about right, yeah. It's been five years, let's just say. And even five years. And the jump is insanity. Mm Mm-hmm. From everything from the little stuff, from the way the album was produced to the atmosphere, to the vocal delivery, to the bigger stuff like the fucking guitar playing and the clean vocals and and the fucking drums. Oh, my God. What's going on here, guys? Mm -hmm. Holy shit. I love it, man. I, I truly think that... Maybe we should rethink our approach to this. Maybe younger bands should be doing this saying, listen, I know all of you guys loved our, you know, like our first EP, but we were young, we were dumb, and we were unskilled musicians. We were broke. You know, we were producing off an 8-track in my drummer's basement, Mm -hmm. right? Now let's do it the right way. And let's do it with a fresh set of eyes, a fresh set of ears. Let's approach it that way. Because like I said... ABR went and did... I already forgot the album. Messengers. Messengers. And it was good. But that's all I can say about it mm-hmm. because the night God slept. It's like the night God slept versus the day God slept, right? Mm-hmm. That's the fucking big thing here is you see that jump. Uh, did you write that one down, Gabe? <laughs> no, I just came up with it on the fly. Okay. And it is a, a very tangible difference. For sure. I love it, man. I'm, I'm going to go see them on the 29th of February, which happens once every four years. Mm-hmm. It's going to be them and Van Animate. Um, you know, the whole fucking trifecta. So that's going to be nuts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was good. I liked it. Oh, and uh, Garrett's girlfriend was like, play Lower Empire. 
or I'm going to be upset. So I think they're going to play Lower Empire. Mm. Oh, that's mm. going to be a tasty one live. Yeah, it's, I haven't seen them since the Warp Tour, so uh, they, they maybe do. They maybe do soon enough. With that, we got a gigantic career in review. One of my favorite bands. Oh, one of man. them. For, formidable years, these guys. I almost died during seeing them one time. I'll tell that story in a minute. This week, we in career in review, we are doing metalcore outfit from Arizona called the blood. the blood. Oh um, yeah. Oh yeah. There's so much to say about this band and growing up with and they're very much part of skate culture, mm-hmm. Evil Abam, and even just general degeneracy. <laughs> um I you know, it's hard. It really is because if you made a list of top 10 metalcore bands that were like grossly underappreciated, Number one, probably. <laughs> yeah, I, easily top three, right? Yeah. Them from Autumn Dashes. There's probably a couple of other dudes we could slap on there, yeah. right? That just, I don't know, maybe burned out too quickly. Maybe mm. people just didn't notice enough. Whatever the case is, these guys went for 11 years from 2001 to 2012. And like you said, they're a medical outfit. They were a medical outfit out of Tucson, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. You, you want to start with the nitty-gritty? They dropped a um, an EP called His First Crush in mm. 2001. And then with... A, another EP called The Blood in 2002. This was all transferred onto Past the Flask in 2003. Now, Past the Flask. Let's just start off by appreciating <laughs> that <laughs> album name. Yeah. Because when when I say those words to you, you probably think of some old burly dude with like Jack Daniels and like this like little tin can. That's exactly what the fuck you get out of this album yeah. too. Oh man. Yeah, uh, it's just an assault on your ears, man. They just went. They went for it. You know what I mean? They're like, well. You never know. You know, we're going to take these these things that we've done before and kind of just fucking assault you and slap you around a little bit. But you're grateful. You know, you're like, wow, that was a good ass kicking that I just took. And uh, I kind of want that guy to be my boxing coach. That's what happened with this. And, um, yeah, it's just fucking it's just balls to the wall. Brutal, man. It's, 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 it's crazy. And it's funny because production wise, it's not like the most polished thing in the world, which I think kind of tells it. It tells the story of the album almost that uh, it almost feels like, okay, well, let's all write a song at the same time. Let's just fucking play and go. And it feels like you're sitting in a basement watching your buddy's band kind of rehearse, but you're like, wow, they're really fucking good, aren't they? They're, they're the band that you know is going to start playing at bigger bars and then slowly venues and then festivals. And then before you know it, the blood is a household name. But yep. we simply never got to that point. Correct. Um, so the world, I, I think, didn't know what to expect in 2003 when Past the Flask came out. And they mm-hmm. had money because this is when they signed onto a label. Yep. And got all that stuff transferred over. And they were just like, well, fuck it. This is our first album. This is all our old stuff and some new stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, you know, like Red Wedding, you know who's Seatbelt. The classic, the blood songs that just sound like your amplifier is in 10 feet of sludge and you're trying to, you know, play arpeggios off that shit. That's what the blood sounds like. But two years later in 2005, when, oh man, when found in the flood came out, I think there's a line in last American cowboy that sums up this. And you already know which fucking line I'm talking about that sums up this album very perfectly. The composer just just went went deaf. deaf. (laughs) Holy shit. Um, talk, talk to me, man. So in 2007, I saw the blood for the first time. They were playing side stage to the Lincoln Park tour with my chemical romance and taking back Sunday. Yeah. Fucking digest that real quick. Um, the last American cowboy played. And I think it was like my first big exposure to them. And me and my sister saw them and we went into the crowd and we almost died. Mm-hmm. 
I almost died to Alaska American Cowboy. Did you brace yourself? Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. And I didn't brace myself well enough because I remember too. Because the guy's like, uh, this is our last song. And it's just like, break in the fucking crowd. And keep in mind, I was a much lighter individual back then. I was 13 years old or whatever. So, uh, yeah, man. I, I think I was off the floor probably for a good two minutes of Last American Cowboy. I don't think my feet were even touching the ground. That's how tight, tightly packed that crowd was in Tinley Park that day. And uh, we almost died. My sister started to freak out. And we're like, you know what? This is our last song in the crowd for a while. <laughs> so, yeah, I almost died to Last American Cowboy. That's if that's story. not the most goddamn blood thing I heard all day. <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk about, I guess, what happened and then the significance of the blood and why they mean so much to us and mm-hmm. probably the metalcore community. Um, the blood suffered the same fate as many early 2000s bands did. They went through... Lineup changes and lineup mm-hmm. changes and lineup changes. The only O2, the only OG members left in the final lineup is uh, Jeremy Ray Tally, I want to say. And he's from 2001 to 2012. This dude spent 11 years in mm-hmm. this outfit. And then James Munoz, which was from 03 to 2012. So mm-hmm. he was on Past the Flask. Mm-hmm. And he spent nine years. Everybody else, flip-flop, man. Mm-hmm. Bass guitar, a backup guitar, and drummer. Constantly rotating shifts. And... Yeah. That's never a good thing, especially in a smaller outfit such as this. Correct. Now, I want to say part of the problem that led to the next two albums, which were, if I'm not mistaken, are Heat Fetish or Silent Treatment in 2007 and Heat Fetish in 2010. Um, These two albums weren't bad, Mm -hmm. but I don't think there was the same level of delivery and care presented as the first two did. And I say that very sparingly because when you listen to past the flask and found in flood they're violent they're brutal and it feels like you're in the fucking swarm of bees or something you mm-hmm. know what i mean you're just trying to keep away yeah whereas heat fetish silent treatment was almost a bit too refined i it agree was a little bit too clean yep and maybe the production was too good you yep. know there's a lot of good stuff that guys like uh will putney can do there's also some of that sheen maybe not sheen maybe some of that dirt on your favorite set of boots you know what i mean you like them because they're dirty and you can just go through mud and not give a shit Mm -hmm. and when you clean them and polish them off it's just i don't know man not the same now you don't want to get them dirty no more correct yeah uh i think that there's there's definitely something to be said where i also i think maybe they released albums too close together I think that might have been a thing. I think they maybe they felt the pressure to kind of keep well, because the big albums were 03, 05, 07, 07. and then 2010. Yeah, uh, and I think they just kept maybe they they, they burned it at both ends because I know they were relentlessly touring them at the same time too, and um, I don't think they took stock in their personal selves either. So, um, yeah, it's sad because I did like Silent Treatment. Uh, they had a song in one of the Tony Hawk games. It was just like. Fucking, totally left field. Yeah, not fu- the blood at all. Well, no, not just it. It was fast and it was intense, but it was just weird. Um, yeah, man. The 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 thing about the blood is that House it, of Suffering. It was, by the way. No, no, no. There was there was another one. Hold on. They had an American Wasteland. No, not American Wasteland. You're thinking of something else. I looking at. Ooh, what's the name of that fuck? Starving uh, Starving Artist. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that was in uh Project Eight. Mm. No, Proving Ground. Proving Ground. Uh, so yeah, just just the to- that Tony Hawk, uh, you know, alumni, not you know, they have an impact on the culture. But um, yeah, it's just I don't know. I mean, it, I wouldn't say they have a bad album, but you could definitely sell it. Like I said, like you said, you know, the the the, the quality definitely jumped up, but the songwriting kind of got yeah. muddled in that. There's, 
And you said it best, man. That grit is what made them. And once you wash it away, now we get to examine things a little bit closer into the lens. Mm-hmm. And their instrumentality isn't bad. Their vocal writing isn't bad. Their you know vocal delivery is by no means bad. Mm-hmm. But just when you when you take a band that was meant to play shows at the bottom lounge and your buddy's basement and just dirty, grimy, like 100-cap bars, yeah. and you put them in arena well they never played in arena right but once you put them in this sort of next category where they're like i want you to make the cleanest gent album ever you know which they didn't but that's where we're gonna look at it as because they went from yeah you know like we produced this ourselves took a couple months but whatever to we got a producer and he's thinking one thing we're thinking another thing Mm -hmm. uh this and that man it's like it's like sifting through gold in the 1800s like those cowboys you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um when when you get a dirty chunk of gold, you want to wash it off, but it's it's a very different thing than having like brown gold as opposed to clean gold, mm-hmm. and one is preferred in this instance. Absolutely. So um, yeah, that's definitely. I think they could have easily been in kind of the same kind of category as like an Every Time I Die, as far as like groundbreaking and kind of establishing that kind of early two thousands kind of hardcore style, and uh, I think they were equally as important, very underrated, um, and I think they need to get more credit. I think people need to look at the blood and be like, wow, these guys were kind of uh, groundbreaking when big they deal, came big out. Deal. They kind of changed the the landscape of kind of the hardcore metalcore style. You know, it's funny. I was rewatching Viva La Bam and um, a couple of like Red Wedding came on mm-hmm. and a couple of other blood songs. And they were they're definitely ingrained in that ingrained in that lifestyle, yeah. in that culture. You know what I mean? Definitely. Uh, and it's just a, kind of an interesting thing. Um, I wish they would come back. I really do. They, they, if they did a reunion like five tour, shows. Yeah. If they did a reunion tour, I'd be all fucking over it, you know? And uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but the Blood is definitely a band that's severely underrated. Uh, it's actually one of Kev's favorite bands of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he looks like it. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, one of his favorite bands of all time because I talked about the one. Time. He's like, bro, I fucking love the Blood, and he had, we had a whole conversation about it. Um, but yeah, so, man. So why do you think they were so significant, man? Because you know we we say one thing and and the general population says another thing. But well, I just feel like they were kind of the kind of the first, one of the first in that kind of uh, that like I said that early two thousands kind of hardcore style where a lot of bands, whether they knew it or not, were kind of ripping them off. You know, um, especially with that kind of that grimy production style and um, that stripped down. I think stripped down is the word I'm looking for. Um, and people didn't know it, but these guys were revolutionary, you know? I think my big thing is that the Bled did what they did in one studio album, what takes most bands two or three to do. Right from the get go, they established a sound mm-hmm. and a personality mm-hmm. for the band. Definitely. Because whenever you hear a Bled song come on, you may not know the lyrics, it's, fuck, it's you the, may not even know the title. Yeah. But you know. know you know it's the blood, For and sure. I think that's important. When you hear that guitar tonage, when you hear that that mm-hmm. you know coming through the mic, I think that's what's most important: the recognizability and how well that transcends into the musical realm. Because how many times have we reviewed an album on this podcast where we're like, "Yeah, it was okay," yeah, but you could clearly tell who influenced this, who influenced that, yeah, and kind of like, "Oh, well, it feels like all the like you know like sempaternal light." Mm-hmm. Like Diet Semperton or something, right? Correct. But then you get guys like this that, like I said, one studio album, you're like, I kind of hear some of this, but I mean, it's hard to tell, man. Yeah. It's really hard to tell because they're out there, they're swinging in the fucking Arizona sun, 110 degrees, 
And they're saying, let's play hardcore shows. That's funny because that's what the vocalist sounds like. He sounds like he walked through a desert in Arizona and somebody's like, okay, sing. He's like, Ugh! you know what I mean? Because he had no fucking water in his vocal <laughs> You cords. got water? No, we got whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. So, yeah, man, I think that was the blood in a nutshell. We love them. We wish they would come back. Give it another look. Come to tid the season. Absolutely. Yeah, sure, right? Honestly, if there's anybody to bring them back, probably every time I die. Yeah. They brought back the fucking Mezingers. Yep, for sure. So, yeah, then. That was uh, that was our career and review on the blood. We'll keep you guys updated on who we decide to do in the future. Because like Gabe said, once we start to serialize things is when it starts to get watered down a little bit. And we don't want to do that because I do enjoy this segment. Other than that, was that all we got? I think that's all we got. Let's go watch the uh, the big game. The big game. Huh? Yeah, the big game. <laughs> we, we got 20 minutes till the big game. Yeah, so anyway, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here because we got to watch the big game. And uh, <laughs> thank you guys for checking out the, this episode of the Second City Kids Podcast. We'll see you guys next time for episode 149 of the Second City Kids Podcast. 149. Yeah, and we'll see you guys whenever that is. Deuces. Thank you guys for joining us this week on the Second City Kids Podcast. You can like us on iTunes, Google, anywhere else podcasts are found. Any comments, questions, or concerns, you can email us at secondcitykids at gmail.com. Until next week, folks, deuces.